Welcome back to Process. It's been a couple weeks since we've chatted about the current state of my system now that I've moved everything back into OmniFocus, and so I figured I would give you a quick update here. Previously, I was trying to have a mismatch of tasks inside of OmniFocus in the bullet journal, and to be honest, I found the realistic use case for me has been to use OmniFocus. Paper has been a little bit more challenging to keep up with since I'm living more in a digital task manager. I tend to manage the day-to-day details inside of OmniFocus, and as a result, I'm not really in my bullet journal all that much. I will still sometimes write things down in there, but it's not my primary workspace. So all of my tasks are now living in OmniFocus. I've made that concession, and it's just the way it is right now because that's where things need to be to have a cohesive feel for my life. However, I have been using a habit tracker in my bullet journal. I did that for this last month, and I'm absolutely a fan of that. I've used habit tracking tools like Streaks in the past on my iPhone, and the one thing that drove me nuts about those is this nagging feeling of breaking the streak if you take a day off from doing it, or you just can't get to it in a given day for whatever reason. That drove me nuts. It caused me stress. And it actually caused me to get to a place with a lot of my habits where I was just doing them because I have them on the checklist to do, not because I'm choosing to do them. Because for me, a long-lasting change comes when I'm continually, every day, choosing to do something instead of just trying to respond to something telling me what to do. So with the bullet journal, I've been realizing that it's been helpful for me to have this habit tracker Because I'll go in and I'll journal in the evenings a lot of times about my day. I'll also write out my priorities for the day in the bullet journal as well. But then I also, on the monthly spread that I have, have this habit tracker where I can keep track of generally three habits I like to do in the morning, three habits that I like to do before bed, and a couple of things that I'm just generally tracking the occurrences of throughout the course of a month so I can see if I'm on track. All of these habits are generally rolled up into broader themes for the year that I want to keep track of. So some of the things that I want to do is move more, do more stuff with people, and then just take time to be still. And I'm tracking habits that are relating to those. So I'm keeping track of the mornings that I've taken time to be still, the mornings that I've taken time to do some exercises to strengthen my back, the times that I have actually just done something with people, whether I've had a phone call with someone or had a good text conversation or chatted with somebody at work recorded a podcast with somebody or whatever it is. Those are the kinds of habits that I'm tracking. If I miss a day on those, I'm not going to get stressed out over it. What I'm looking for is long-term improvements. And a habit tracking app doesn't really help me get there because most of them follow the don't break the chain methodology where you just don't miss a day doing something. And that's fine for some people. And that was fine for me in a season. But as I mentioned, it just causes me an extra level of stress. One thing I have been finding that's been missing is a way to nudge me to do these tasks, these habits. Sometimes I forget, and if life is getting crazy in the day with kids or work or something, I just sometimes completely forget to even engage with those habits. I've tried to experiment with this in OmniFocus using a recurring project with reminders, but I was having some goofy issues with that, so I've gone back to the one app that does this extremely well, and that's do, D-U-E. I have it set up to remind me on a recurring basis in the morning to do my morning habits, and then in the evening to do my evening habits. 
That also triggers the response for me to journal and do some gratitude type things in the evening as well. And so far, that's been doing the job. As I mentioned last week, life has kind of been falling off the rails a little bit for me with kids not sleeping and all that kind of fun stuff. It's just normal parent stuff when you have a newborn in the house. With that, it's been hard to keep my bullet journal in consistent use. And the same thing for Notion. I have been leaning on OmniFocus day in and day out. And I haven't been taking the time to plan and reflect as I probably need to. I was able to do a little bit of planning on a morning this week, but I haven't been engaging on a daily basis or even a weekly basis like I need to to keep everything in a cohesive state. That being said, OmniFocus has always been my workhorse. This is the place that I live day in and day out. When I have a solid task manager in my life, that's where I spend my time. The other thing I'm remembering is that I don't need to live in high-level tools like Notion or my bullet journal where I'm planning things on a day-to-day basis when I actually need a ground-level view. And that's where OmniFocus comes in. OmniFocus for me is my ground-level view of these are the things on my plate now. These are the next actions that I have to take. Everything else is in other places so that I can focus solely on the day-to-day tasks in OmniFocus. I guess you could say I'm learning to use the tools appropriate for the situation at hand. It hasn't been easy, I'll be honest. I mean, figuring out your productivity system is an ever-changing journey, but it's been good to be able to step back and think through some of these things to be able to more effectively handle and whittle down my system to the absolute root essentials. For this week's topic, I wanted to talk a little bit about automation. We productivity nerds love the idea of automation. If I can get a piece of technology to do something for me consistently so I don't even have to think about it, it's great. One thing I think that we all have automated or should have automated in some way, shape, or form are backups and file syncing. I was using iCloud Drive for that, but it didn't really work for me very well, which I'll talk about in just a second. So I switched that over to using my Synology for all of my file syncing needs. I also use that for some backups. And then I also use Backblaze and Carbon Copy Cloner to have this really nice automated backup solution. So I don't have to worry about any of my critical data being lost if one of those pieces were to happen to fail in that system, because it's all automated and it all works and I get notified when there are issues with it. But not all automation falls into that category. Backups are definitely something that are essential to automate because if you have to put a lot of effort into doing something, more than likely you're not gonna do it or you're not gonna do it as far as you need to. And backups are one of those things that you have to do. If you've ever had a computer hard drive die on you and you've lost data, you know how critical it is to have backups of your data. But in a general productivity sense, automation can be a good thing, but it can also be not so great for our productivity as well. And so today I wanted to talk through some thoughts and processes that I've tossed around with automation and also some ways that you can maybe get started or dive into automation if you're interested in doing so. Up front, I think it's really important to count the cost with automation. There's some really cool things that Siri shortcuts and many automation services can do, but you have to look at the upfront investment versus the long-term return on it. 
how much efficiency are you getting out of an automation versus how much maintenance that you have to put into it to keep it working. Some automations are literally set it and forget it. You install it, you get it going, and it does its thing every single time without fail. Other automations, though, have APIs that change or require some massaging every once in a while to get them to work just right. Or maybe the application is in a glitchy state and it's not always working for you. If you have to do a lot of long-term maintenance with automation and it's not really netting you a significant efficiency gain, it's probably not worth it to do it. The other thing to consider with automation is will it work consistently? I mentioned I moved away from iCloud Drive for my file syncing because it absolutely broke on me. All of a sudden, one day I checked in my iCloud Drive on my Mac Mini and it just wasn't syncing. I noticed files were out of date. I was missing files on my Mac Mini and it wasn't even working on some of my other iCloud enabled devices. And so as a result, I switched over to using my Synology with the Synology Drive app, which works very consistently across all of my devices. And that's the thing, like if an automation isn't going to work consistently, then you also have to consider if it's worth the effort or if it's going to cause you more pain in the long run. Now, there are various different ways that you can create automations, and they range from easy to hard difficulty levels. Let's talk through some of the ways that you can get into automation. First is text expansion. You can use a tool like Text Expander or Alfred or one of the many other text expansion tools out there to assign longer blocks of text that you would need to type on a regular basis, whether that's an email or a URL or a name of a business or something like that to a very short keyboard snippet, and it just automatically expands it. It's a really easy way to get into automation. You can also use, you can also use templates with something like your task manager. OmniFocus does a really good job of this for me, and it uses a really nice and easy to use templating language, which I can just use inside of drafts and be able to copy that right into OmniFocus and get a nice templated project. You can use a launcher piece of software like Alfred or LaunchBar to be able to launch you into applications or do specific actions on your file system, such as find a file or open something up or run a macro. I've used it to generate quick passwords that I need that are going to expire within a couple of hours or something like that. You can also get into Siri shortcuts and Siri shortcuts has a varying level of difficulty. If you've ever seen Federico Vitici shortcuts from Mac Stories, you know there's a lot of capability inside of that application, but you can also do some pretty easy and straightforward things as well. If you primarily live on iOS, you're probably gonna wanna spend some time with Siri shortcuts to see what sort of automation capabilities that you can leverage inside of that tool. You can also look at a tool like Drafts. Drafts is a great way to automate actions on text, and that can be also, really easy, simple stuff or very large, complex ways. You can chain actions together. You can launch Siri shortcuts uh, with stuff from drafts or into drafts. And it's quite amazing the things that you can do because it uses a tool called a URL scheme to pass data back and forth between applications on iOS. You can start looking into building macros, and this is getting more on the complex end of things. Keyboard Maestro is a really good application on macOS for doing something like this. You can move windows around the screen, you can do text expansion, you can run Apple scripts in the background, you can do a million different things based on lots of different triggers within Keyboard Maestro. It's very similar to how Siri Shortcuts works on iOS, but for macOS. But the ultimate form of automation where it really requires a programmer's approach or a passion for hacking is scripting. 
You can run scripts on your local machine using Bash, which is a shell language, Ruby, AppleScript, JavaScript. You can spin up your own DigitalOcean server or something like that to run automation scripts on there using cron jobs, which is a way to automate actions from happening on a Linux machine. You can do all sorts of crazy stuff with that, but this is where the level of maintenance can be fairly high or the level of involvement up front can be fairly high, especially if you're not primarily a programmer or familiar with ways of doing those types of things. So if you're getting started, start off in text expansions, start off in templates, start off in launchers, maybe some easy Siri shortcuts. And then as you build your skills up with automation, you can launch into some other ways that are a little bit more difficult or might require a little bit more investment up front. When you're trying to figure out what to automate, I've heard a good rule of thumb is if you do something three times the same way, try to automate it. My recommendation is to do something like that, but just take note of it. Make a list of things to potentially automate in the future, and then sit down on a monthly or quarterly basis and review those items. If something is particularly painful prior to that, sure, spend some time automating it. But if you can let it sit for a while, you can maybe realize that maybe you had to do this one thing for two weeks in a row, but then you didn't ever have to do it again. So spending three hours trying to automate it may not have really netted you much in the long term. If you can take note of things that you might want to automate in the future that are causing you pain periodically and then review those on a regular basis and try to prioritize the ones to automate, that'll help you make better choices on maintaining efficiency over the long term versus just automating everything that you can think of. Well, that wraps up the episode for this week. There will be a topic over on the community at community.effectiveremotework.com. I'd love to hear from you if you have feedback on this episode. Otherwise, we'll chat next time.